When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All I care about is winning, man. Everybody know that. I want to win. Straight up. Now, I, excuse my language, but, but everybody know that. That's that's who I am. That's that passion, that fire, that heart. That's uh, that's what y'all love. And I'm going to continue giving, giving that as long as I'm here. My favorite part is, excuse my language, but But bleep. bleep. (laughs) Uh, That was Jalen Ramsey in one of the more bizarre press conferences I can remember recently. Uh, Today, he went up to the podium and just swore constantly and at times refused to answer questions about him demanding a trade and at other times was fairly open about him demanding a trade. It was something extremely unique with uh, Jalen Ramsey. And we were just talking before you got here, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, Matthew Collar with you on Purple Daily. Uh, we were just talking about players taking their futures into their hands and how it's a messy process, but a lot of players are recently more interested in doing this. And the most recent is Jalen Ramsey demanding a trade after a messy situation on the sideline with Doug Marone the other day. I too do not want to work with Doug Marone. So I get <laughs> yeah, it. You, you and him can commiserate I, over that. I did. It wasn't fun. Uh, so what do you make of not only Jalen Ramsey and his bizarre press conference, but also NFL players becoming more like the NBA NFL players saying, you know what, if I got to sit out, I got to sit out because I've got the cash in my wallet. So I'll just wait until my contract runs out or until you are forced to move on from me. This was, uh, you know, who was ahead of his time with this was Carson Palmer did this years ago and then it kind of went away. And now we're seeing lots of uh, players do it. What do you think? Well, the players who do have the money, because we know contracts are not full, most contracts are not guaranteed in the NFL. So until you have that leverage, you can't do what a Jalen Ramsey is trying to potentially do. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't pull a Le'Veon Bell. You can't, I mean, Melvin Gordon really can't do that if we're wanting to make this like a more topical thing because his contract, he was not franchise tagged. He wasn't in the same situation. There's only a few guys in certain situations that can do this. Right. Melvin might not um, be good enough. Yeah. I mean, or valuable. Valuable enough, enough for sure. Yeah. Um, I just think it's kind of interesting, though, because we've 
we've seen players like you, you can't force somebody to want to play for you. You can't force guys just because of the situation with contracts um, and the way that the league is structured to want to stay in a crappy situation. I mean, we heard the stuff uh, about the Dolphins, uh, and we've certainly Minka Fitzpatrick, but even before that, after that first loss, you heard about, okay, guys are reaching out to their agents, trying to get out of here, and then we see it take place with Minka Fitzpatrick going to the Steelers and that trade coming through this morning. Um, but Jalen Ramsey, I mean... I feel like this was kind of the bubble that was waiting to burst because there's been certain instances, several instances before in Jacksonville where he's shown he's unhappy. Um, you have to be in the right situation, though, to be able to voice these demands. And he said that he didn't leak it. His agent didn't leak it. Um, I was arguing with somebody on Twitter being like, you know, why are you upset that they're doing a press conference? It's transparency. It's this, that, and the other thing. That isn't transparent. He didn't say blank. Like, if I'm going to go ahead and, like, take a Jalen Ramsey, where do you say beep? Like, um, but it, it I was am, more weird than it was insightful. You know, it, you know it reminded me of just from, like, the PR standpoint, because I always look at this stuff through the lens of crisis communication, because I have a little bit of a background in that from my time at the NCAA. Um, awkward things like this, where they think they're doing the player a favor by saying, hey, let's get out in front of it. Let's get out ahead of the headlines that are going to happen, the speculation, the questions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a few instances I can remember, oddly, uh, after Auburn fired Gene Chizik, I want to say it was in 2013, they invited him back for a press conference. I believe the Vikings did that with Mike Tice. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, I know Judd would know for sure. After he was fired, um, some, and, and it's just like when, when players are in these precarious situations where you have a chance to clear things up and you don't, because Jalen Ramsey said, I don't want to be a headline. I don't, I know you guys are writing. I don't want to be your headline. Well, this information's out there. Like either you want to be traded or, or you don't. You could have squashed and said, I, I'm, you know, I, I do not want to be traded. This is, it's clearly real information. And he won't talk about it. And I just, the whole thing is weird to me because as you and I were texting this morning as this nonsense was going on, I'm watching the Periscope stream laughing to myself. Um, what if this were to happen here in Minnesota? And, and the example I brought up was, remember all the awkward rumors this summer, like this uh, offseason, like St. Patrick's Day, uh, Trayvon, I think it was Trayvon Diggs, uh, Stefan's brother had retweeted or tweeted out a photo of Stefan in a Redskins jersey. Mm-hmm. I remember Adam Schefter um, tweeted out something that, like... I think it, it actually included a bleep. It definitely included, it was like, included bleep, the no, F we word. wouldn't trade like, him. Yeah. yeah, like from a Vikings official. And um, I kind of wonder, like, if that actually surfaced, if things went downhill here this season with the passing game, I mean, the running game's one thing, but if Kirk Cousins' struggles are really taking out two of the top receivers in the game, and if they get a- angry or antsy or want to get out of here and voice that and it gets out, would the Vikings handle that in the same way? Because I could tell a lot of frustration in Jalen Ramsey's voice without him actually saying much of anything at all. And I tend to think, like a Stefan Diggs situation, just because I'll, I'll use that since we've had examples of the trade rumors before. No one's ever talked about trading Adam Thielen, so I won't go there. Um, I wonder how they would handle that, and I wonder if Diggs... Um, you know, if it was the same type of situation, how that would play out. So Diggs is the right answer if you were asking which Minnesota Viking player, if this went sideways. I mean, let's say that this line cannot pass block and Cousins just struggles the whole year. Because last year they couldn't pass block either, but they did find some ways to deal with it and produced 
as it's been said many times, 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns and all that. It wasn't a great season, but their pass blocking right now is worse. Mm -hmm. And it's really impacting Cousins, and I think it will impact him more and more and more unless they find a solution to it super fast. And even this week, it's not like they're playing jokers. They're playing Jonathan Hankins and P.J. Hall who can play football. And if they're going to put pressure, it's it's going to be a problem all year long. And then they go to Chicago. And so looking up and down the roster for the Vikings and the contracts, if you said well, who would be the one player who would say, okay, get me out of here. The reason it would be Stephon Diggs in my mind is because he has been part of a duo for now several years. And by lots of metrics – whether it's the people who track route running or pro football focus or whichever. He's the better of the two. He's either the better of the two or definitely a clear-cut number one wide receiver does not have to be part of a duo to be a superstar. And there will be people who will argue with you that Adam Thielen is that guy too. And I think that on certain teams, yes. But with Diggs, people you talk to behind the scenes that actually know football and, and know how this whole thing works, it's without a question gun to your head type situation, you got to pick one or push one off the cliff, it's going to be Stefan Diggs. And I think given his age, he's 25 years old, so he's in the crux of his prime right now with several years ahead of him. Um, if there was a situation of somebody who wasn't happy, I think he's got a legitimate case. Assuming this plays out kind of similarly to what it's been the first two weeks, um, there are a lot of teams who need a number one receiver. And he's being he's part of a duo right now that isn't even being used effectively and that's that's got to cause frustration among both of them right i mean when you're talking about delvin cook now being the centerpiece yeah and, and this is what we do see in the nba and again i don't blame anybody for feeling this way but with someone like kyrie irving he was constantly in the shadow of lebron james so now if you're stefan diggs and you believe that you are every bit as good as top five wide receivers and you don't get quite the targets that you think you should be getting, and then they're taken away even more because your head coach says, no, 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 we got to run. We actually have to run more. In fact, let's run all the time because my quarterback might underthrow Stephon Diggs in the back of the end zone and turn into an interception. So the, the head coach is terrified to pass the ball. The offensive line can't block, and the two elite wide receivers are being underutilized. But Adam Thielen is just not leaving Minnesota Right. No. I mean, he is a Minnesota guy. He's from here. He's got the house. He's got the whole thing. He's got the charity set up and everything else. It would be beyond stunning if Adam Thielen ever wanted to go. But if there was a player that wanted to leave because it was going sideways and he didn't like the direction and he didn't like the way the quarterback was playing either, that would be Diggs. And the frustration in his voice after... Sunday the Sunday yep. was something that I don't think I've ever seen from him. I mean, um, he could barely talk. He, he was, was so his voice was shaky. Yeah. And I remember listening back to it. It was incredibly hard to discern, which um, again, I can bring it up here. I remember there was a quote from him. Uh, he was asked about the interception and nobody ended up using it. And we'll give you some context on this, too. Um, let me find it. You know, it was very, very difficult for him to verbalize just how upset he was about the way the game turned out. Um, and with the interception, uh, it was just asked, like, what did you think? What happened on the interception? What did you think mm -hmm. of it? He said, that's terrible. So just to be clear, we have no clue whether he's talking about, like, the interception, the pick, what happened, what he was responsible the for, even. the play calling, yeah. whether it was Kirk. Um, 
And, uh, and then it was kind of an inaudible, like I, you know, I remember I transcribed this and I wrote for the group inaudible. I do not, I do not want to infer something that he may or may not have meant. Uh, but what was clear was trying to make something happen for late in the game. And that's the type of player he is. I mean, you, you listen to how much he's had Kirk Cousins back in moments where he probably doesn't even need to. And yes, you're a teammate. You don't want to go rogue. You don't want to turn this locker room upside down this early in the season. But when he's talking about that pass where Kirk threw to him in in quadruple, like four guys around him, that's on me. I had an early one, the slant. I should have caught that 100%. I take full responsibility for my actions always. And that's just Kirk having faith in me. You just have to find a way to make a play for him and find a way to always have his back because bleep ain't going to come out perfect all the time. I think patience will wear thin eventually. I mean, he's been a very good teammate. He is Constantly, you think about him and Adam Thielen arguing about route running in Kirk's route running clinic in the Chicago game. <laughs> Who's on there in the sideline going, that's on me. Yeah. Throw the ball to me. Give me a chance. Yeah. Diggs is doing that, and I think it's honestly wearing very thin on him. Um, I saw wonder, this in camp, too. Yes, I wonder how much longer or what it's going to take for that to bubble over to where you have a situation where it needs to be addressed some way. Um, and I'm not speculating saying that there are trade rumors or anything like that, but the Jalen Ramsey thing kind of brings it into the forefront thinking, okay, you're not happy in a situation. Somebody clearly, maybe it's not you, maybe it's not your agent, but somebody put that information out there because you wanted it out there because it helps you get shopped around and helps teams know, hey, he want, he said he wants to go to a place that, or we're hearing he wants to go to a place where there's no state income tax. Well, there's a few teams that might be <laughs> able to fit him onto the roster and under the salary cap, those type of things. So the, the point on Diggs is just that uh, what you have in the league now is when people aren't happy with their situations, that they try to make an effort to change them. Mm-hmm. And with this Vikings team, and we felt this way in years past about it sort of teetering, and then in 2017, it teetered when Sam Bradford got hurt, and then uh, they had the bad game against Pittsburgh, and then they win in Chicago, and it goes completely the other direction. They win and win and win mm-hmm. and win. And that could very well happen this year, that they have this sort of come-together moment after Green Bay, they kill Oakland, they go get a big win in Chicago, and if they were to get a big win in Chicago in Week 4, you could see that springboarding this team to win the NFC North, get the 11 wins that you threw out there, come together, love each other like we saw in 2017, have a great locker room. That's definitely an outcome that could happen to this Minnesota Vikings team. The other one is this turns into Jacksonville last year, where they made the... Um, AFC championship game. They blew it. Doug Marone mismanaged the end of that game and Tom Brady came back on them and won. And then they all came back and everyone said, no, 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 it'll be fine. We'll just run Blake Bortles out there again and it'll be all right. We'll be totally fine. We have a great defense and they completely fell apart. And now you have players in Jacksonville, namely Jalen Ramsey saying, okay, get me, get me out of here. Get me out of here because this thing is going sideways. And I think it's plausible to say that we could have something similar with the Vikings if the quarterback continues to perform like this. That they will look at this situation, some players, and say, this is not what I signed up for, for you guys to give all the cap space to this one player who's going to throw the game away at the end. And and look at like a situation like Anthony Barr, who turned down millions more dollars to go somewhere else on a team that definitely has... You know, oh, he's at worst. He's fate. feeling good today. Worse fate than uh, than the Vikings, but you know, you got to think members of this defense too. For all that they did, like they made adjustments yep. on Sunday after 
getting annihilated on those first three drives where the Packers score on, you know, as like 68 yards, 75 yards, and 38 yards, just gashed, completely gashed. They fixed their problems, and they've got to be looking at the offense saying, hey, outside of Dalvin, why can't you guys do the same thing we do and fix it? And, and I know that we're going to get into that in the show with play calling and what, you know, the notion out there. And my Twitter has been very toxic the last few days with people saying, well, why are you paying this guy $84 million to be a game manager? Why are you paying a guy that you can't trust to make one throw in the red zone? That's a topic that we'll get to. But um, this type of stuff, this, this boiling pot is very close, I think, probably closer than most people realize to going over. Yeah, um, yeah. Because they, they got their taste of it last year in realizing in big moments when Kirk Cousins couldn't come through. Now that this might be the last year, really, the last year you can keep this core together because you have high cap hits in 2020. Kirk's hit is very, very high itself. Guys are getting older, and you're going to be thinking of cutting pieces and moving on. It's the whole notion of if you don't do it this year, this might be your last chance. And the fact that it's starting out like this against a Green Bay team that's probably, I mean, I'd say top 13 like I'm going to say, the great it's not the greatest team that's playing this year. But if you can't get it done against a good team like a Green Bay, what's going to happen when you have the Eagles come in here in October? What's going to happen when you have to go to Kansas City and Dallas in back to back weeks? Frustrating. That is another point I want to get to, uh, probably in the next segment. But to your point, we have felt around the building since I mean, even the day that. Kevin Stefanski was announced as the offensive coordinator, and he gave a very odd sort well, he looked of defensive so, press conference. Because Mike Zimmer was staring at him the entire time. How would you feel if you were doing something and I was your boss? Because, let's be real, like, I am. Um, it's true. It's true. Um, how would you feel if I'm sitting, like, five inches from you and just, like, glaring at you the entire time? I know you wrote about it in your uh, in your story that yeah. day. I mean, that kind of set the tone. And Zimmer barked at the media. Actually, he was mad at a reporter who wasn't even there. But yeah. he, he, was, he barked at the media at the end of that press press conference and I did write like this is emblematic of just how much pressure is on mm-hmm. everyone and even when we talked to Mark Wilf um he was asked of course what's the expectation for this year and the answer is it's very very high it's it's clear that the Wilfs feel like you've spent all this money on the performance center you spent all this money on the quarterback we gave you Gary Kubiak I'm sure he didn't come cheap we've done all these things for you and if it comes short then there are going to be ramifications, but I think that we've mostly focused on the ramifications for the coach and the general manager and haven't so much thought about players who could do similar things to what we see around the NFL now. And we picked Diggs because his situation kind of makes sense. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I can't I don't, think I of anybody. Heard anything no, and, that, that, and to be so. clear about that, it's the only one He's on offense an that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think defensively, I don't know anybody who would really have a ground to stand on. Um, unless, I mean, Really, unless it was Anthony Barr, because he came back. Yeah, and clearly, he, he's, he's going to stay wants here. To be he's, here. He's right. a lifer. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. and Daniil Hunter's just not that way. Like he, no. he's not a guy who he I just could chokes see. on chicken bones when you interview him. That was not my fault. Maybe uh, don't talk he had, to he had a great He had a great game though. So I can't. Great game and a great quote and a good story. I was talking to him the other day, and he nearly choked to death. And I can't give a Heimlich maneuver on a man that large. No, like I, I don't. Even, how hard would you have to press on his chest to get through all the muscle? To like even when you get Heimlich maneuver, life. if you're really doing it correctly, that and CPR, you're supposed to break their ribs. Can you imagine br- being the one who broke Daniel Hunter's ribs? I think I'd lose my credential.
Man, he uh, went off the rails here. <laughs> yeah, you may have saved his life, but you broke his ribs. He's out this week, so you're done covering this team. Uh, anyway, uh, so let's come back and, and let's uh, continue the conversation here. Alex Boone is going to join us at 3, and we're going to talk about this pass protection, which has not been protecting Kirk Cousins at all. Uh, so we'll be right back. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Here you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Do you think you want to be a distraction? Do you think you are being a distraction in a short week uh, when the game comes up? Uh, let, let's be clear about something in regards to that. I didn't leak that information. Me and my agent, we, we are not the ones who leaked that information. And I was very strict about that because I did not want it to get out. And I, don't, I didn't want it to be a distraction. I didn't want everybody asking my teammates all type of questions throughout the week. So let, let me be real clear about that. I was not the one, me and my team, we were not the one to leak that information because I thought about my teammates. I thought about stuff like that. So y- y'all need to ask the other side or, or whoever. Jalen Ramsey there accusing the Jacksonville Jaguars of leaking that he demanded a trade out of Jacksonville. So we were discussing before about the Vikings, if there's any chance they end up ever uh, soon, if things start to go sideways in a situation where players are asking out. I kind of doubt it, but um, if Kirk Cousins continues to play this way, then it uh, does become possible. So let's talk a little bit about Kirk um, there in Sunday. He comes out and he says... It's my fault. I was bad. I was wrong. And you go through his career, it's very rare that you're going to find a game that he ever played that poorly by whatever metric you use. I mean, if we're looking at completion percentage alone, the last time it was that bad was before he was a full-time starter. It was like a 20-6 to loss to the Giants in 2013. Yeah. And And it was very, very similar to the 45... 43.75% 43.75% completion percentage. Yeah, and uh, PFF grades, QBR, mm-hmm. everything. This is legitimately one of Kirk Cousins' worst games. Now, um, the protection has become quite an issue for the Minnesota Vikings, too. And, and I guess here's what I'm wondering about, Courtney, is you know, when you look at the way that this team was constructed around Kirk Cousins with the two receivers and they draft a first-round lineman. They draft a tight end who I thought had a good week one. We broke it down last week with Irv Smith, but he has, what, one catch through two weeks. So just as we predicted throughout training camp, this is not the game-changing weapon. a plug-and-play weapon. guy. Right, exactly. It's not like, oh, he's going to get 40 or 50 catches and be a complete game-changer. I mean, where where are we at with Kirk? Like, is it... I got a tweet today with someone asking me... Like, should they go out and find a better backup quarterback? Oh, goodness. Just, I know, I know just in case they have to bench Kirk Cousins how halfway many, through the season. How like, many uh, tweets did you get about the one that was just 
let go. Can, can we do, like, I'm trying to come up with some sort of pie chart for you here of, like, what percentage of the reaction is definitely overreaction? What is realistic? Like, where should we stand after that thing? I mean, is is that worth saying, oh, my gosh, this is the biggest bust contract ever. This guy is a disaster. He's never, ever going to win a big game ever in his life. Or should we say, look, it's weak Two, the rules haven't even been figured out yet by the referees, <laughs> and maybe everybody R-E-L-A-X, right? Like, wh- like, how? where do you go with that? I think that I'm more on the other side of this is what you're going to get, because it's eight years now of him in the NFL, four, no, five as a starter. Um, you can talk about next level, you can talk about scheming around him, um, which they fail. I'm sorry, they failed to do that on that final play or the the play that really solidified the end of the game for them. Um, let me just say because I've been stressing out about this as I've been thinking about things about writing and all this other stuff. Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak were more than aware of Kirk Cousins' red zone struggles, which have not really changed. Like I have some stats that I was looking at and I was yelling about with somebody like his red zone numbers looked okay last year. Well, why? Because they didn't make it into the red zone that many times. So, I mean, it, of course they're skewed. Of course he's got, you know, only a te- he was only off target on 10.6% of throws in the red zone last year. Like big picture wise, he is not a good quarterback in the red zone. Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak were well aware of that. So why, when you know he's been struggling and wildly inaccurate for the most of the game, besides the digs throw, the 45-yard um, touchdown, besides some other things, why, why would you put the game, when you are when you have two, you know Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison to a degree, when you are relying on the run game to get it done, why in the game's most critical moment do you take it out of their hands and say, hey, Kirk, what, here's one shot. Like, why would you do that? That's my thing when we talk about, is this the best of Kirk Cousins? You exposed him right there. Like, I'm not going to say that play calling is totally the blame, but I think you exposed him and you set him up for failure there. Yes, he should make not make that throw. Yes, he should throw it away. But you have to put him in it. You were hired to put him in a situation, to put him in multiple situations just to get by. That's all you're trying to do is get by with him. And they failed at doing that on Sunday. So I agree with you on that. And I think that it tells you probably where you should stand on Kirk Cousins is if you can't, if we all walk away from that feeling like, how could you trust Kirk Cousins with the football in that situation? Then that tells you everything you need to know. And I don't think they do. And that people on the sideline don't trust him in that situation. Kirk revealed that people on the sideline said, why didn't we run? Why didn't we run? Well, teams that have Drew Brees on their uh, uh, squad as their quarterback or Tom Brady never say, why didn't we run? I mean, aside from... Seattle at the one-yard line with beast mode. I mean, you're almost never going to run into this when you have uh, an elite quarterback of why didn't we run unless it was a really egregious example. And most teams can totally throw in that spot and have nothing to worry about. But I think it just says something about the way that we've come to view Kirk Cousins because of how he performs in big situations and big games. So I started to look at this last night, Courtney, and I made quite a finding. So we talk about sometimes how things play out and, and the uh, the role that luck goes into your success or failure as a team throughout a season. And so I see this from, I don't know, Ble- Bleacher Report had this. 
the bad quarterback luck throughout this year. Andrew Luck retires. Eli Manning is benched. Sam Darnold has mono. Nick Foles broke his collarbone. Drew Brees tore a thumb ligament. Cam Newton looks horrible on his foot injury. And, and, and now we find out today it's more serious. And why they played him, I have no idea. But typical sort of Ron Rivera in Carolina. And Ben Roethlisberger done for the year. You notice something about all those quarterbacks? Vikings aren't playing any of them. Not a single one. Zero luck. Every quarterback left on the Vikings schedule is their starting quarterback. And I f- was looking at this through another lens, too. The primetime games where Kirk Cousins struggled, there are several, and several against very good teams. There are plenty of NFC North matchups still remaining. They have to play Kansas City on the road. So 10 of their final 14 games this year are either NFC North, primetime, or Patrick Mahomes. If Kirk Cousins is clutch, and if he's going to show up in big games, then he's going to have every opportunity on this earth to show us the way that the schedule is laid out. I agree. And I just, the skeptic in me, though, the person who's seen this now play out for a year and two games, doesn't believe that it's going to end up um, a happy a happy story here. I just think that when you see Kirk in those moments... Like, that was a no-brainer. You know that. He even said it himself. He called it, that's day one stuff. The decision you made not to just, like, launch it to the sideline to the to the right of your shoulder. Like, just throw it there. Like, that's processing. That is That is the mental part of the game that he lacks. That's thinking slowly. It's not being able to make a clear judgment call when the game's on the line. So... If you're really expecting this team to beat elite opponents, including going to Chicago in two weeks, um, you know, if, if they can right the ship here essentially against the Raiders, get back to, you know, get back above 500, two and one, go to Chicago. If you're not running the ball in Chicago with Dalvin Cook or making him the focal point and taking the game out of Kirk Cousins' hands, then you're asking to lose. Like, it's so clear to me that they know the limitations of this guy and Mike Zimmer bit his tongue. And I'm kind of wondering, when is the moment that the quarterback is going under the bus? Because he had every chance to do that. And he was pretty tight-lipped in Green Bay and again on Monday, saying, you know, he needs to play within himself, and he knows he needs to throw that ball away there, and they're coaching him hard, and, you know, well, he can do better. Can he do better, Matt? I don't know. Well, like I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but can he do better? How Zimmer handles oh, it, sure. for sure. Uh, okay, I want you to do something. Oh, God, do I have a pie chart I have to do? No, no, no. Okay. I, I know I'm holding the notepad, but this, I, I is, this is for me this time. Triggered Ramp me. up NFL Films music for this. This is special. Here's what I want you to do. You have two-sixteenths, otherwise known as one-eighth, of the schedule completed for the oh, Minnesota no. Vikings. I have to project it now? You have to predict the rest of the season. You have to do it now because I already tweeted it out. Okay, okay, okay. They have one win and one loss. After week one, you would have picked them to go 11-5 and still. After week two, I don't want you to aim for that. For the original 11 and 5 I want you to just pick it. Whatever comes to your mind, win-loss for the Minnesota Vikings, knowing what you know about the team through two weeks. All right, here we go. September 22nd, a Sunday at home against Oakland. I'll go ahead and give them a win this week. Because right. it's going to be the bounce-back game, and everybody's going to be like, look, you were wrong about Kirk. 
you know what? I'll tell you, after Sunday's game, I got no, like, it was the line's fault, and it kind of was. It, I mean. But, like, I, but I got no, ex- no Kirk excuses, and that's where I know that the fans have really started to lose hope. And they're turning. Because right? they should be yelling at me when I criticize Kirk Cousins, and it's almost like, if they go quiet, it's scary. And they should have been yelling more about play calling, and they didn't because yeah. they expected yeah. to make that throw. You're okay. right. Um, Loss September- in Chicago. Okay, that's at Chicago. Akeem Hicks plays there. Uh, at New York with Daniel Jones. J. Jones. Defense wins that game. Okay, so three and two. Eagles loss. All right. Uh, then you have uh, Detroit on the road. On the road, they're losing. They are splitting with Detroit. Detroit is okay. better this year. Confident in that. Um National TV game, the first of our year, will come on October 24th against the Washington football squad and I don't know who at quarterback. Dwayne Haskins, maybe? Dwayne Haskins, probably. Colt McCoy? Uh, win. Okay. Uh, all right. At Casey and Patrick Mahomes. Loss. That's uh, a loss. At Dallas. And loss at Dak Dallas. Is Dak is rolling. 2-0. I don't know what universe I live in with the pet with the... Cowboys as good as they are right now, it's, and everything else point, is upside down. At some point, I want to. I'm 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 waiting with him and Lamar Jackson to be like nailed it, <laughs> but like you know, when people would say I'd rather take Kirk than Dak, like no. Uh, all right, anyway, he was also a fourth round pick. Uh, he was uh, Denver, November seventeenth. Close one. It's a win. That's a win. All right. Maybe they, not coming down to a field goal. By week, and then they go on the road the Monday night in Seattle on December second. That'll be a loss. All right. Detroit. At, at home. home, they'll win. That's a win. All right. At LA. That's they'll, on They'll beat the Chargers. CDs, the Chargers did not look good. No, they didn't. Against, um, they have a lot of injuries, too. I mean, who knows if, they, if like those guys will be back by then, but right now, I'll say that's a win. They, you're, that secondary is, is yes, a problem. It's Being really bad. Hurt. Derwin James out kills them. Uh, Green Bay. 16, week 16. Here. The way that they made the adjustments against Aaron Rodgers on, you know, the screen game stunk after that first play. The play action game was not effective after like the first ser- first few series. I'll go ahead and say they beat Green Bay at okay. home on Monday Night Football on Christmas Eve Eve. Week 17, you have uh, December 29th, Chicago. Sunday, noon o'clock. Uh, I have a time limit on this. Uh, you know, we're actually supposed to take a break in like a minute and a half, two minutes. So yeah, you can take a We just listen to music. Da, 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 da. Um, go ahead and put it put it down as a win. I'm and I'm not counting cards here. I just think that at some point, I mean, Trubisky has regressed poorly. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that Matt Nagy is. And here's a great my thing, coach. though: a game like what happened on Sunday that will haunt you when you're looking towards the playoff. If you're nine and seven at that point, and you need ten and six to get to the wild card, that game from Sunday is going to hurt you. Uh-huh. So where am I at? You're at nine and seven. Okay. So you went from thinking the Vikings were an eleven win team to being a nine win team, and you know what? Uh, nine and seven might get you the wild card, and it might get you the division yeah. because this division is very hard, and there is a you know it's parity for a change. So the, there's not a big drop off. They're really tough teams, but they're also really flawed teams mm-hmm. in the NFC North, and it's it's weird because Detroit doesn't even look that bad. I mean, Detroit is just uh, inches away in Arizona. I mean, they botched that one for sure, but I mean they're that close to being a two and O team. Uh, Detroit is at this moment, and 
I don't even know what to expect from them going forward. I don't know if Trubisky gets it back together or if Matt Nagy's kind of a one-year wonder Chip Kelly kind of coach who had some creativity in one year and then everyone figures it out. And that Green Bay team, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur could be a powder keg, and that could blow up at some point. So uh, very, very interesting the NFC North to track from week to week. But 9-7 and seven is probably where I'd go after that as and well. And realistically, I know I said this off-air, when I was going through the schedule, when you're thinking, when you, when you don't have the guise of optimism and, hey, they haven't screwed anything up yet, and, hey, there's no injuries, 9-7 <laughs> and seven is, with Kirk Cousins as quarterback, that's what I tend to think of. Yeah. That's, at, well, that's right. That's I what mean, I that's tend his to career. think of. That is, that is who he is. Yep. And... I mean, obviously, you can't like manufacture losses without having any real reason to do so. But if I go, if I'm playing the hindsight game, of course I would have put them at nine and seven in April because I, I just feel like the moments that we saw on Sunday are more common than not with Kirk Cousins throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Red zone is one thing, but those type of game on the line moments where the processing and just the mental errors of the quarterback it won't be the you. last one. No, they don't. But they could make it the last one. If, if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy and if they can actually scheme an entire 60 minutes with him in mind and not say, hey, we've, you know, for, for 96% of the game, we've relied on the run game. How about this one play we give Kirk Cousins? Let, just go air it out on the first one. Boy, this feels like they're treating him like Tim it's, Tebow. It's kid gloves for an right? $84 million quarterback. The way we're talking but, about this guy is like how they talked about Tim Tebow with Denver. Like maybe if he makes one throw downfield in a game. But it's. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's the cards you're dealt. And I think that when fans talk about this and they get frustrated, you're stuck with it. They're not going to cut him. They're not going to go find somebody else right now to complete the rest of the season. This is what you're stuck with. And can I tell you it's going to get better? I'm not really sure it is. Okay, let's take a break. I have Turbo Snark from last night. Oh, So we'll be right back. Alex Boone joins the show at 3 o'clock, and he's going to fix the offensive line. He promised me. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan Harrison here. Time for the Score North download. This download powered by Modest Brewing Company. We're going to use it to remind you that the countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon weekend is on. It's not too late to sign up for the TC 10K, TC 5K presented by Fredrickson and Byron or the Medtronic TC family events featuring races for kids of all ages. To learn more or sign up, visit tcmevents.org or visit scorenorth.com keyword or keyword marathon. Also, the Score North fall auction is underway with great items up for grabs on home improvement, travel, heating, and cooling, and much more. To view all the items and place your bid, visit scorenorth.com keyword auction. If you are going to a Twins game, check out Modest Brewing. Located only two blocks from the Target Field Station, Modest is known for serving a wide variety of one-of-a-kind, super drinkable craft beers. For a full price or full menu of craft beers, go to modestbrewing.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. The ball's out, and he's sacked. And the Packers come up with it. The fumble recovery on the sack of Cousins. Cousins throws a Hail Mary. Kevin King, did he come up with it? 
The one on the field is an interception. I First can't, down. can't believe that Cousins would throw that ball. I mean, this is exactly the, the same thing that Mitchell Trubisky did last Thursday night. There's no reason to throw it. Okay, back here on Purple Daily, and something that I want to start doing, and I noticed the internet has already caught on, as I shared with you last night, Jonathan, is that when we get to Monday, Tuesday, early in the week, reacting to what happened over the weekend and Monday Night Football, is if we have the opportunity, throw in some turbo snark. Floor it. All right, turbo snark time. Oh, it was a great idea to hire Adam Gase after he had no clue where he was in the initial press conference and after he revealed that he didn't want your star running back to get paid any money and after he got your general manager fired and hired Greg Williams, a legitimate psychopath. No, I'm sure that was going to go great, Jets. No one could have ever seen it coming that you would be one of the biggest truck fires in the entire league. Not at all. Adam Gase, genius. Peyton Manning said so. There's mine. You got one? Not like that. I wasn't really prepared. Oh, you could try. You're a snarky person. I, yeah, I am. I definitely can throw some shade. Um, can I just can I criticize the play calling? Sure. I, know yeah. they, I mean, it's Turbo Snark. Turbo. I mean, mine's not nearly the as... Biggest, the biggest thing about Turbo Snark is that you're not responsible for any of it. So if like... <laughs> so I can black out yeah, right now and if, just like... If no. the, well, if the Jets somehow win the Super Bowl and then, of course, like Twitter comes back and like, oh, you snarked about the Jets. Well, like, it was Turbo Snark. It doesn't count. Kirk Cousins is who the Vikings thought he is. He is a bad quarterback in the red zone. Notoriously known for the mistakes and the gaffes that he made in Washington year by year, his numbers got worse. He came here hoping to fix it in 2018, talked big game about with working on it with John Filippo, finding new targets to throw to, never threw to Kyle uh, Rudolph in the red zone, which was supposed to be his mattress. And then this year, in the most critical point of the Green Bay game, and I, and I would even argue that this wasn't even the most egregious throw that he made against the Packers, his coaches put him in a situation that said, hey, go win a game for us right now. And what did he do? Not that. Not that at all. And no. so I think that this is kind of the underlying thing that no one is talking about. Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski deserve just as much blame as Kirk Cousins for that moment. They set him up. They put him in a situation where play action, yes, that's his strength, but you also know what this guy does when he gets inside either 20-yard line. He messes up. He throws interceptions. How many times did this happen last year? I'm thinking of the Chicago game off the top of my head on the on the slant route for Diggs where they have a chance to try to pitch a comeback, and he throws that second pick of the game. Yeah. So... I don't really I don't really see how you can get away with saying you guys were great with the run, 198 yards as a team. Dalvin Cook's having a career day. Destroyed him on that drive. And you literally took yeah, th- uh, seven of the eight plays in that drive were runs including a quarterback uh, six uh 6-yard six quarterback scramble. Um you took it out, you shot yourselves in the foot there. No one stopped the effect- effectiveness of the Vikings run game except themselves. And play calling should come into to do under the microscope there, going forward, I hope you think about that when you are in the same situation because you know it's going to happen again at some point this year um, and realize the, the weaknesses of your quarterback and truly not try to be cute, not try to say, hey, Kirk, we're going to give you one chance, one chance only. Okay, that's good. 
if you want to turn it to turbo snark, you're like, great idea, Gary. Hand the ball to Cousins, who is an 8-8 eight eight quarterback for a reason, Gary. I don't want to be called shrill. Because oh, that's what women yeah. get when they get all huffy and puffy. I don't think you have that like voice issue though. No, you... my voice is naturally kind of low to begin with, but yeah. I could yell. I just I'm saying like turn the turn the turbo snark. Can all I the get way that uh, screeching wheel? Uh, yeah, do that again. Can I get that again? Floor it. <laughs> take a take a little more time. <laughs> no, I mean I'm done. I can't say anything more than that. But I just kind of needed to, to feel that um, engine still running apparently in my ear right now. Yeah, it just stays running for a <laughs> while, just like the snark will. Well. I mean, I'm, 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 I just don't think that there's any reason to let play calling off the hook here. Is that the product of a young play caller, or what is it? Because I, Gary, I really think it was just such an egregiously stupid decision. That, it was so bad, that, like that, that. That a play call is so secondary to, oh my god, why did you ever consider throwing that? I just don't. I think get, that's why. And it's first down, so run the ball, and it's second and goal. I think like, if I you just don't throw their name in at the end, if you're like. Run the ball, Gary or Gary or why whoever I, the hell calls going, the plays these yeah, days. Seriously, nobody knows. Um, yeah, it's just I've got a few more. Okay. Um, hey, great idea, Ron Rivera, to play Cam Newton in the preseason. Yeah. Perfect idea. Let's take a guy whose body is essentially broken in every single place that exists on him and put him out there in games that don't matter so he can get hurt. And then, even worse, you won't admit that you screwed up. So you're going to put Cam Newton out there in a real game where he gets more hurt and ruins the game for you because he can't play anymore because you broke him. Great work, Ron Rivera. You got another one? Trying to think, I'm scanning. I mean, can I? Anything, anything you want. How about the refs? You want to? You want to go in on the refs? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. All right, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, don't sound shrill. Thanks for everything, Alberto Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All of a sudden, no one knows what the heck is going on on the field, and there's phone calls being placed from outer space, aka New York City, saying, "Nope." We're going to take a play that just finished, a touchdown play, and we're going to go ahead and nitpick it and find pass interference. Brilliant. And we're not even going to tell you who it is. We're just going to say the offensive player who committed pass interference, which no one knew. Dalvin Cook didn't even know until he got, I think somebody let him know in the the locker room. Yes, it was us. We told him. And no clue that pass interference was called on him. And the thing that irritates me the most, Alberto Rivera, and the reason I'm saying it like that is I know his name's Al, but they put it like that for whatever reason yeah, on, on the, the video. Um, no, on the video. actually calling him Alberto is tremendous. In fact, only do that for the rest of the season. Whenever it's the refs, is be like, great work, Alberto. Can I just tack on here? I think I think that's allowed, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, we noticed uh, that someone didn't have their shoes tied. A wide receiver. Flag. Alberto. (laughs) Well, the thing that irritates me the most about that is just there was such a lack of communication. Even the refs in the stadium had no clue what the hell was going on. Mike Zimmer said he felt like they were doing their best to try to let him know. Um, But it was a call place from New York. And... I just think that there's that is such an egregious thing to do because there has to be clear and like undenied evidence that shows you which it was neither it of those was things. neither of those things. I couldn't even tell in the video it was so grainy the one that Alberto Rivera was talking on. Um, <laughs> Ab because Zimmer said afterwards. I asked him. I said like, what was the explanation you got? He's like, oh, it was the second guy through. Well, the second guy through is Darnell Savage. 
B.J. Goodson is the first linebacker that he makes contact with off the line of scrimmage. And what's what's stopping you from asking the question, what if he's getting jammed? What if the yeah, safety is trying to thing. jam Dalvin Cook and Dalvin he Cook's not like actually blocking? He was blocking. playing the same role he in was, it that Cook was. It's like you know, tie goes to the runner. Now we're just gonna <laughs> now we're just gonna penalize offensive players, but, Alberto Rivera. So here's what you do though: if you're a defensive player and they're doing a little bit of a pick play, I would just be like, ah, it's our flail yourself away. Oh, I've been interfered with. Review, review. Right? That's, I mean, this it, is egregious. And I and think the Vikings Alberto. players and, and coaches handle that probably better than any other team would because I saw Derek Carr's comments for the one in their game and he said like that was like, the worst thing he's ever seen or, you know, you can, you can go ultra hyperbole with stuff like this when it happens. He seems like a whiner anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was ugly. You got another one? Uh, no, but I wanted to ask you here before we go to break okay. because we have like a minute and a half, two minutes, right, Jonathan? Like for three minutes maybe? <laughs> yeah, around So there. I think three. you could spend three minutes because we're going to get Alex Boone in next. And Alex is going to talk about the offensive line. Ooh. So it's going to be heavy. It's going to be okay, it's like, deep. Yeah, it's going to get serious. Dark. Um, do you like the way anybody played on Sunday? I mean, let's just like take a second. Just like, on the offensive th- line? No, anybody. I mean, on the Minnesota Vikings. I like Dalvin like, Cook. Is that it? Anybody else? I like Dalvin Cook, and I like the adjustments that Harrison Smith made after getting embarrassed on that first drive. Yeah. That was it. And you know what? Honestly, Everson Griffin was a monster. Total beast. Like, monster. 11 pressures against David Bakhtiari. Like, he is amazing. Yeah. Like, he has really, really, like, amazed me and just how he's come back because he looked so rusty last year. And I think people wondered, um, you know, is Father Time going to start taking over here? What's that going to be? And, you know... He looks fantastic. And, I mean, obviously, the sack Daniil Hunter had, I think I tweeted at the time, that was like the most Unreal. most ferocious thing. That's like, <laughs> that's the that's the noise that, that I... That really sounded like oh. it. That sounded like a lion eating an antelope. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was great. Can um, you save that sound effect for later? Can you, like, replay that? <laughs> I'll grab it. Uh, let me just, so let me throw out a few. Yeah, do I you thought. like anybody? Um, on I Sunday? can't make that noise with my face, but I will say that J. Ron Curse has been he tried. legit great. Yeah. I mean, I think he's been actually really, really It good. was a bad matchup the first time, but like Devontae Adams was already put in the Vikings in a pickle because yeah, that's of Xavier Rhodes. Like in, but, but for no. what he's asked to do, I think J. Ron Curse has been <laughs> As, terrific. Yeah. Eric Hendricks has looked really good so far. I watched the game back on tape this morning and just wrote down a few things that I noticed. And here's another thing, though. So Anthony Barr did basically nothing in this game and struggled at times. Eric Wilson made some plays. And I just couldn't help but think, after what we saw from Eric Wilson at times last year, like, Barr is really talented, he's really good, but Wilson looks like he can play and he would have cost you nothing. And that's going to be in the back of my mind a lot this year is how they spent their money and bringing mm-hmm. back Anthony Barr. If Eric Wilson, every time he's asked to go in, continues to be this good as he was last year, and then the way he played the other day against Green Bay, it wasn't like super noticeable. He didn't get like five sacks or something, but he just made plays. It's good in coverage. Yeah, had a couple of set, or a couple of tackles, a couple of run stops, especially in the second half where everybody was good. But they they were trying to do the thing like, oh, we're going to get the extra tight end out there and get your. You know, get your other linebacker out on the field and take advantage. But they couldn't because Eric Wilson is good. And it's like, well, the The only player right now that they are getting their money's worth of guys that they either signed in free agency or brought back is Everson Griffin. Absolutely. And even then, I mean, they made him take a pay cut. So, um, Yeah, Joseph, I didn't think, had a great day. 
yesterday. No, I think Linville, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, y- you talk about, okay, well, they're going to be better at stopping the run because you plug Shamar next to him and it becomes 2017 all over again. And the Shamar Stefan thing. didn't really happen. They, I mean, they acted like he was the next Kevin Williams or something, and he just like he's just a guy out there. Anyway, so there were players, especially on the defensive side, who I thought were very, very good on Sunday, and they just continued to develop talent. Jaleel Johnson made a great play in that game, so it's just it's almost like they should have believed in themselves a little more for the amount of talent. Uh, that they have. Uh, all right, so let's take a break. Alex Boone, coming up next, we're going to talk about the offensive line. Can it be fixed? Can it be helped? Because Kirk Cousins getting pressured on 60% of his dropbacks so far this season, we discussed with Alex, and we'll see what he thinks about all these holding penalties as well. When we return, you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. But it's winning, man. Everybody know that. I want to win. Straight up. Now, I, I excuse my language, but, but everybody know that. That's that's who I am. That's that passion, that fire, that heart. That's uh that's what y'all love. And I'm gonna continue giving giving that as long as I'm here. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, and joining the mix, former Vikings offensive lineman Alex Boone. Uh, Alex, you love good offensive line play, right? Oh, yeah, love it. Gets you excited when you watch a football game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Sunday, that was fine, right? Oh, man, talk about rough. Dude, it's it's so like deceiving, too, because Dalvin Cook had such like a great game, but if you look at it, it's like three plays. He had like 120 yards, and then after that, it's Alex Martinez just destroying him from the side. Yeah, there were many times where, because uh, people asked, well, they said, oh, I mean, the run run grades and stuff for PFF must have been good, right? And I watched the tape back this morning. It's like, <laughs> no, actually, the run blocking wasn't really good either. I mean, almost oh. nothing good happened there. So my question for you, Alex, is... Okay. What what do we do about this? I mean, when when we watched week one, we said, well, okay, Garrett Bradbury, it's his first game ever, so I understand if you get trucked a couple of times or something. But then it happens again, and he's facing Kenny Clark. I understand that. But there's lots of good football players in the NFL that he's going to face. And I don't want to just point at him either. There were other things that went wrong, too, that just are confounding. I mean, right. Dakota Dozier tries to help on a wide rush when uh, his, uh, he um, Bradbury desperately needed help up the middle, and the right. result is a pressure on a three-man rush. And so it's not even just that Bradbury's struggling. I think it's across the line, pretty much everyone aside from Brian O'Neill, and he wasn't perfect either. Is there any solution to this? Because right now, they're getting mauled up there, and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. Well, I mean, let me ask you this. Does it look like to you, because to me, it kind of looks like this. Does it look like they're not gelling well? Because at one point, I watched like a 94 power, which is a power to the right. And I watched the left guard pull. And for whatever reason, I don't know why he did it, but he just ran right into Brian O'Neill. Like he just, you hit the wrong guy. Like, dude, you got to move out of his way. But to me, it looks like they're just not in sync and they're not gelling. I don't know. You get that vibe from them? Well, I definitely do from this, but I can't tell if that's just like talent or what. Because, I mean, I, I would think that that would play a big role if you're just not that good and you have guys getting beat consistently one-on-ones that you're also going to look like you're miscommunicating. 
Right. And well, let me ask you this: Who to you is the leader on that offensive line? I think it should be Riley Reef. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we have two Riley Reefs. So we say, okay, Riley's the leader. So now we go into film and Riley's the leader and we're watching Riley get beat consistently. Now what does everybody think about the leader? Is Riley the leader? Yeah, that's tougher, right? Right? So now all of a sudden we're kind of like, well, is Josh Klein the leader? And all of a sudden we watch a twist where Josh Klein falls down and Kirk Cousins gets destroyed. And we're like, well, are you the leader? <laughs> yeah. You know, I and then we're trying to look at. Like, at some point, somebody has to step up and say, hey, guys, like, this is disgusting what we're putting on film. We can't do this anymore because we are opening so many holes that we are not going to be able to close all of these. Right? We got a problem with our twist game. Now we got a problem with our zones. We can't block them in a linebacker. I mean, there's just, there's things that are showing up on tape that teams are going to go, hey, listen, look what they did here. This was so simple, too. Like, they didn't even do anything. At one point, they looked like they were going to bring five guys. They ended up rushing three. They get pressure and they get an interception. How does that even happen? Like you can't show that to a defense and say, "Hey, listen, we're good. We're, we we can handle exotic looks." You can't when that happens. So, Alex, I'm looking at Garrett Bradbury's mock draftable right now. Um, just trying to get some thoughts on like size, height, measurables, things like that. That NFL went combine this. results. Yeah, it's right. um. So I think we talked about this and just like getting undersized linemen to run this scheme and the the challenges that that presents. I mean, his if I tell you just you know without like knowing too much about it. Like if this is just like a blind test, if I tell you that his wingspan is 76 and a half inches and that puts him in the sixth percentile and his arm length is 34 and three fourths, which puts him in the three percent percentile. I remember that's short, but it's short. Like is like, why would you, is there reason to believe that those types of, I mean, I don't want to call them deficiencies. Just who he weight? is at that weight? time. He was three Oh six. No way. There was no yeah. way he was three Oh six. So there's no chance. Like, that, to me, is a cause for concern, right? Like, I mean, do you kind of see it the same way that his size is greatly, dan- like, hampering kind of what he can do and how effective he can be? I don't, I don't think I took any of those variables into any consideration. I mean, I watched his film, and I thought the guy was small but fast and quick. Like, mm-hmm. I get what you're trying to do. But at the end of the day, you look at this division and you say, what's the pride of every division, and this one especially, is their defenses, right? Like, you look at these defenses and you're like, man, they got some big boys up front. In Chicago, we got Akeem Hicks. Like, he's just running through people. We look over and uh, back then in Green Bay, they had Mike Daniels, who was not very big, but he could hold his own. I mean, I played Mike a lot, and he was really good at being a run stopper, but also at being a pass rusher, which was one of like the first guys to be kind of tinier and still make it. And people were like, wow, this is kind of impressive. But then you look over in Detroit and you have snacks. And then you're Minnesota and you say, let's Love draft snacks. the smallest center possible. Yeah. Like, what were you thinking? I understand that you go, you know what? This guy is great at zone. That's the dumbest excuse, by the way. Don't tell me a guy's good at zone, but he's not good at something else. Everybody can move their hips. They just want to have to work harder at it. But you look at these other centers, and I look at like an Eric McCoy down at the Saints, and I think here's a guy to me that was really good. And I had interviewed him before and talked to him, so I really liked his his mental game because I was kind of throwing a lot of things at him, and he was kind of throwing them back at me. And I was like, you know what, here's a center who's going to be a guy that's not afraid to voice his concern, not afraid to kind of jab you back. Because to me, Bradbury kind of seems like this guy that when you throw a little bit on his plate, he's going to be like, I don't know if I want to deal with this right now. And that's how it's looked uh, for these first couple of games. And you make a great point, Alex. And I was thinking the same thing walking out of Lambeau the other day, that this team had a left tackle on the board. They had other 
uh, centers on the board that were graded highly by other teams. Uh, Elton Jenkins is a, is another one who's pretty good, and so far the other guys have performed all right. But you're talking about a division that is just filled with monsters. And I think, Alex, anytime you're talking about, here's why something's important for the run game, you should really hesitate at that point, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, shouldn't you? It is 2019. That is the year. Everyone's throwing like 300 yards, and you have a team yeah, saying, but- we're drafting for zone running. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, but could you imagine them being the outlier? Like, they win it all, and they turn around and go, yeah, we got everybody. Yeah, I mean, right. Right. It's show, never going to happen. You, we ran for 2,800 right. yards as a team. We got you. We won 10-3 to 3 almost every game, but we be, <laughs> we did it. No, I mean, people don't want to see that, number one. And number two, eventually you're going to need a quarterback, and that's where they're going to come into problems. I mean, I, I think it's admirable that what they're trying to do. I think Chicago's still trying to do it, and they're kind of – Chicago's in a bad situation because they're kind of committed to their quarterback, and that guy couldn't throw – a ball to save his life. And so now you're looking at this team and you're saying, well, are we going to have to run the ball 45 times? Well, number one, how long can Dalvin Cook do exactly. that? Because that is a lot of carries. I don't yeah. care who you are. You can bust runs all day. Week 8, week 9, week 10, those are going to start to hurt real bad. And then the O-line's going to turn around and go, hey, we're kind of hurt too, so we need to start throwing more play action in. And then the play action's not as biteable. Like on Sunday, you could see those defensive ends. At some point, it was maybe around the second, third quarter. Those defensive ends are like, listen, we're not scared anymore. We know when you're going to run it. We know when you're not going to run it. We're yep. just going to cut off the defensive end, and we're going to make a beeline right at the intersection point. And whoever has the ball is getting creamed and you saw it show up consistently towards the end of the game yeah i mean what can they do though i mean at this point like if you're not going to put the game in dalvin cook's hands which we were going back and forth about earlier just that last play call that really sealed the game for for minnesota with trusting kirk after not trusting him for three quarters knowing how much he was struggling (laughs) um how sustainable do you think this is with Dalvin? Because I asked Mike Zimmer that last yesterday, and he said, I don't know. Because I mean, nobody knows. You, you can utilize. When are we going to start to see Alexander Madison get mixed in there more than just yes. four carries? I mean, look at how much he trucked that guy down at the end. Unbelievable. Uh, just how heavy, heavy like hard running, and yes. I think Zimmer called it violent. Um, why should, should we anticipate seeing more of that so they can preserve Dalvin Cook now? Because it's just, it doesn't feel like the two last two weeks, while his carries and his touches have been consistent from week to week, that doesn't feel sustainable knowing you have 14 games at minimum left. Absolutely. And look at the division you're playing in, filled with defensive guys that are just big and nasty and want to fall on top of you and hit you and smack you. I mean, it's to me, when you're looking at this, like the Ravens, right? Everyone's like, how? Like, because before the season started, everyone looked at the Ravens and they thought there's no way Lamar Jackson's going to be able to throw a ball more than 20 yards. He comes out miraculously. He's com- some completely different quarterback. But that was the big question on them. How long can you sustain this run game? And how effective can it be after eight weeks? Because after eight weeks, you're not redrawing up plays. Mm-hmm. You're drawing the same plays. So eventually people catch on and they go, oh, it's a wide zone. Like, so... Somebody wrote an article about how it's like this new Kubiak and Stefanski system where the guard and the tackle pull and somebody blocks down and it's a difference between wide zone and a toss play. And, you know, one of the plays we used to call G and it was a G scheme because the guard kicked out the widest and that's what always made it a G. But when you look at it, eventually people found a way to defeat it. And they'd say, okay, listen, instead of letting him just go to the widest, we're going to crash everybody down through the tight ends because tight ends can't block anyways. So instead of trying to take him <laughs> on and letting him know it, listen, we got a lot to talk about, but 
when you crash them down, you pretty much ruin every play. We saw this last weekend. If they crash and they get past the tight end, it's over. Like They can ruin every play. So you think, how long can you sustain an offense where you're running the same plays? Eventually, people are going to say, hey, listen, go through the B-gap. You know, backside linebackers, You as soon as you see those guys open, you just come downhill right now and smoke them. So this is something similar along the same lines of what Preston Smith did on one of the Vikings' play actions, where yeah. there's play action to the right and Cousins is supposed to roll left turn his hips, set his feet, and throw downfield. But Preston Smith did not bite at all. I mean, he was just watching them run the play action like, okay, you're coming back over here, aren't you? Hello, I'm right in your <laughs> face. And and this is the thing that I remember by the end of Gary Kubiak's time in Denver, he had been running this same offense for so long that some defensive players, Richard Sherman being one of them, said, we knew a lot of the stuff that was coming with the Gary Kubiak yeah. offense. And I think that there were plays, at least it looked like this on tape, Alex, where the defense knew what was coming, and that one was very specific. Like, when you have a, a defensive end not follow down the line at all for the cutback, he knows right. exactly what is coming there. And it was just uh, a, a big question to me now is not only can they f- protect for Kirk Cousins, but can they actually fool other teams? Because we haven't seen a lot of looks um, where even Atlanta was particularly fooled. Right. Well, you know what it is? It's those, it's those two backside tight ends. They're always back there, and you're like you're thinking to yourself as a defensive end, why are there two guys back here when the play? If the ball is going away, like they're gonna try and get one of these guys at least play side. But not only that, but then the one guy looks at him, he's like, "Hey, are you running the curl or the hitch?" <laughs> defensive end's like, "All right, we got this. We're good." <laughs> he's running the dig route, guys. It's just you know. But I think a lot of it comes down to when because I, I saw the same thing, and the first thing I always think is that defensive end is getting real cocky because he's in his mind he's saying. If he hands it off, I can make this tackle on the running back. But if he doesn't, I need to be able to cut back for the quarterback. And a lot of those risky guys will do it. Now, the smarter players are gonna they're gonna keep going down the line, right? Like, cause at, at at minimum, I would rather have the quarterback roll out. I don't want this running back to bust one loose down my lane. That's not cool. But towards the end of the game, it started to feel like to me that they knew what was coming. Like yep. they was like he was. It wasn't even like I'm trying to be cocky. It was like, no, nah, dude, I know you're rolling back. Like I'm coming for you right now. At one point, Dean Lowry just made a beeline right towards Kirk Cousins, and you were like. Man, this is getting ugly. Well, what would you do then in that last that last hand, play? Hand I mean, it off. I, I don't well, understand. Like when you're looking at this, and, and it, we're talking about can we sustain this down the road? Let's not go down the road. Let's worry about right now in Green Bay because this is a division game. So this is really important to us. I'm driving down the field, and I think I heard you guys say before seven out of the eight plays were runs. But then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I want Kirk to make the one play to get us in the win. What were you thinking? Sometimes the game is so easy. It, it just presents itself, and these coaches are like, I'm going to outthink this game. Watch this. Let me show you how we're going to do this. Because like, at one point, they were driving down the field. They ran, they ran the ball on first down, second down, and they were crunching yards. It's third and one. I go, oh, this is going to be great. They're going to they're gonna run it again. They fake the run, and they throw a slant to Diggs that he drops. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing? Yeah, he, he talked about that, too. He was, like re- was Carroll really upset over. about him. Yeah, I mean, you, you make these boneheaded mistakes, and then it's like, oh, I'm so dis- – like, you have the players saying, I'm so disappointed. But really, it's the coaches making boneheaded decisions, too. Well, I felt the same way, and so did Courtney. She went on a rant with Turbo Snark earlier yeah. about the play yeah. call. Just like, <laughs> I mean – uh, what, wait, 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 what's Turbo Snark? Turbo what's Snark this? is when Oh, man, we got to introduce this at some point. I feel like you would be really good at this. It's what's like, Turbo it's, Snark? It's, it's like when you... Wait, wait, is Turbo from the game? Because they were seeing Aaron Rodgers was screaming Turbo a lot. Oh, was did he? You, no, I did... didn't even notice oh, okay. that. No, okay. this, this is just when I... I'm a generally sarcastic and snarky person to begin with, but then when, when you take it up to 11, you just did it to me, so I think that you are too. <laughs> uh, but... 
But when you when you really turn it up, and so I went on a big thing about how you know Adam Gase had no idea where he was in his press conference. Who's shocked that this didn't work out with the Jets and Courtney Turbo snarked about uh, Al Riveron. Al Riveron. Oh, and, that's a, that had to be. Yeah. I can't stand Al Riveron right now. <laughs> Alberto. Yeah. Ah, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> See, uh, I told you you'd be a by professional. The way, Nobody knows how to say his last name because I say Riveron and somebody else says Riveron. Riveron, right. I'm yeah. like, dude, what is it? Because I'm in the media and I have to know it. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call him Al from yeah, now call on. him Alberto. That's um, a joke. That's when you're being especially snarky. But uh, So you'll have your opportunities. But let me ask you this, though, Alex. Is there a solution with the pass protection? Because Kirk Cousins is being pressured six out of every ten backup uh, dropbacks. And even... Even with the frustration that you might have for how poorly he played, he missed throws. Uh, there's one at the end of the game where it's open. There's another one that Sage Rosenfels was driven crazy by on on a corner route that he just overthrew on a third down. So he played poorly, no question. Right. But when you're pressured that often, yeah. even the best quarterbacks are not going to be great. So what's the solution here? It takes time. Because you know what? I saw the same thing you did. I mean, to me... Kirk looks really flustered in the pocket. And, and to me, I took, I was taking notes of this last game because I was watching it a whole bunch, trying to look at some things. And it was, he was flustered early. And it was, to me, it looked like he was out of his element really early in this game. And that problem is he's so overanalyzing everything that the minute he's out of his element, he's overanalyzing that. And so you can see it in the way he's padding the ball. You can see it in his feet. You can see the way he's moving around. But not only that, but some of the hits this guy takes. I mean, even after he throws the ball, he's still getting crushed in the backfield. And you think to yourself, at what point is this quarterback going to feel any relief? Because you're standing back there and you're like, man, I literally have two seconds to get rid of this ball or I'm going to get crushed by somebody. That has to suck, and that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, he was 4 of 12 with an interception when under duress in Week 2. So but that, certainly that not interception good. was his fault because yes, whoever exactly. throws into a four-man box like that, you're an idiot, and you deserve <laughs> to have that be picked. Um, my question with Kirk is how much can we put on – the protections, like how much of that falls on him? I mean, yes, the offensive line. Oh no, it's on the O line. You can never you, do that. You you won't. Okay, you, I would never put a protection on a quarterback because you know the quarterback has so much to think about, and it's not a fair thing to say. Hey, you got to know the mic, and you got to know which way the safeties are rotated, and you got to know if it's open or closed, and you got to know if it's two or cloud. You know, there's so much, and then oh hey, by the way, you got to know which way you're sliding when. But that's the team kind of did that to him by putting a rookie center up there, and then what else did they put up there with him? A failed center, another guard who was kind of failed over in Tennessee. Like you can't. There's nothing around him to help him go. Okay, listen, guys, this is what we're doing. We're gonna go left. You know, I don't see anybody out there taking accountability and being like, yo, pointing. You don't even see a confident Mike point out there. And, yeah. when, and when you don't see a confident Mike point, I Listen, mean, dude, it's all about Mike. When I played, I'll tell you what. When I played, if the Mike point wasn't strong and fierce, it, it something was yeah. happening in that huddle. Like, dude, what's wrong with you? Football. We're gonna fight. Man. Football, football. <laughs> that's, all, that's the only way I can respond to that. Um, Alex, as an offensive lineman, I'm sure that you are super jacked to see holding uh, penalties go way up. So let's discuss that next. Uh, are the referees ruining our lives? We will discuss <laughs> Alex Boone, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. We'll be right back. We got neck rolls to hand out later as well. Here you are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. The countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon weekend is on. It's not too late to sign up for the TC10K, TC5K presented by Fredrickson and Byron or the Medtronic TC family events featuring races for kids of all ages. To learn more or sign up, visit tcmevents.org or visit scorenorth.com, keyword marathon. Overall, the penalties, I mean... 
so few last year, 20 so far. I mean, just how, yeah. how frustrating is that? Very uh, undisciplined. I know Bradbury had two. Uh, I think Diggs had two. I think Thielen had two. You know, they got to start playing within the rules. And they know the rules. That's their responsibility to, to do what they're supposed to do. Uh, I was penalized twice during that sound bite by the National Football League. Uh, did back they call here, in from New York, or did they, <laughs> they let you know on the field? Yeah, no, Is there they, a reviewer? Yeah, they called Jonathan. They reviewed the first segment. Uh, they flagged us on four different things. Um, I, I bumped into my mic. I'm like, oh, that's a flag. And just barely did you extend it. your arm when uh, you were doing I did, that? No, yeah, I you extended my that. arm to reach for my Diet Dr. Pepper, so I was flagged <laughs> for that as well. Hey, um, can, can we just talk about how the, the, the verbiage, the referee's verbiage, has gotten so unclassy that it's not even fun anymore. Like when was it? When did we start calling it a UNR? What is this? Unnecessary roughness? Oh, is we that what they're calling that? it? That he didn't hear him. He was like, the UNR is now canceled. Yo, dude. Nobody, oh, I didn't. Nobody even know reminded that. me. I was oh, yeah. like, I was like, is that a disease or something? Or how like, about when they that? say after 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 a discussion? Yes, Whoa. yeah, that was obnoxious. No, no, super no. annoying. Well, we after, don't want to know after that. discussion. The, like, yeah. Well, what else we've discussed, and that is all. Thank you. The thing Whoa. that I don't understand about Sunday, and <laughs> we we'll still sides. we never got any sort of explanation when they called the offensive pass interference on Dalvin Cook. They said yeah. the offensive player, like they didn't say who it was. They probably didn't know his number, but yeah, it happens all the time. Oh, okay. So that's not something that we because they like, should have been able to say number thirty three. But right? Cook had no clue that it was called on him until he got into the locker room. Was that just a product of they didn't know or like it wasn't communicated to them? Like, no, what do you I think? think? I don't think it was that big of a deal. I, I think that when you look at listen, I'm going to start out by saying this. I warned all of you that this was a bad idea, <laughs> and everybody laughed at me. Ha ha ha! No, it's not. This is great. Let's bring in more replays. Let's get more eyes on it. No, we don't want more eyes on it. You want less eyes because now they're seeing every little tick tack. Hit, oh, Dalvin Cook brushed his shoulder against him. Technically, that's OPI. He interfered with him. What do you want me to say? I warned you, people. Stop trying to look in here into this game and mm. with the telescope and be like, show yeah. us everything. No, you don't want to see all the little tiny things. You want to see the big fun things. So focus on the big fun things. But now everyone's like, oh, no, it's odd because gambling's insane right now for it. So they want everything to be legit. Well, what are they supposed to do about the number of holding penalties? I saw this stat of just how much they've jumped up this year. And like you said, I don't think anybody wants this. I'm not saying that no. yeah, teams should get away with holding all the time, but there has got to be something to slightly level the playing field because defensive lines are very talented and right. certainly had that on display these first two weeks and especially on Sunday. But if you're going to call holding, I mean, that was the old joke was, oh, you can call holding on any play. And the NFL is like, we will then. I like, warned you. Who wants I, this? I warned you guys not to do it. I, they want so many people watching now. And it's like, but the truth is, when you go on Monday or Tuesday and you sit with a team and they're watching the game, they're writing down every single play that they're going to send to the league. And they're telling you why they're going to send it into the league. And they're letting you know what they're going to say. Like, you know, I remember sitting in meetings and they're going to say, hey, uh, jot this note down, G-Row. We're going to send it into the league. 32 right here, bumped into the receiver, and we think it should be DPI and, and blah, blah, blah. And, the league eventually is like, you know what? Fine. You want all these penalties? You're going to get them all. And now all of a sudden, teams are going, hey, wait a minute. Maybe we don't want them all. No, 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 no. You wanted them all. Now you're getting them all. Stop whining about it.
So uh, my question for you, Courtney, is this team in particular uh, leads the National Football League in penalties, Mm -hmm. which is not usual for a Mike Zimmer team um, to be this, if you want to call it that, undisciplined and maybe unlucky in terms of some of the things that were called. I didn't think that Stephon Diggs had an egregious push off and I thought that Adam Thielens was kind of battling for the ball. But if you look at where they ranked in penalties last year, they had 92 which was the second best in the entire league. Is Does this go under, in some ways, this team trying too hard? Are they overmatched? Are they now suddenly undisciplined? I mean, or is it just two weeks and the NFL's weird and we just have to deal with I it? I mean, some of the penalties in that game, like, you know, Zimmer said himself, like, Diggs knows you can't push off. And he's like, I don't know if I pushed off. I don't know the rules and, and a lot of stuff like that. So... You know, the fact of the matter is these penalties keep happening. I think it was there was two on Thielen, two on Diggs, and the helmet one was stupid. Like, he knows yeah, that he shouldn't do that. that. Um, and Bradbury had the two holds, so that was, um, you know, that was unfortunate, but. But even in week one, they committed a boatload of penalties. And I just wonder if there is something to, we talked about this in the first hour a little bit, the pressure facing this team, and if there is a tendency to try too hard sometimes and commit penalties. Is there anything to that, do you guys think? Yeah, I think that I think that when you put things out on tape that are bad for your team, like let's say the twist game, right? We know that they're struggling with the twist game. And it really wasn't even a twist that got home in one of the times. The guy fell over, you know, uh, the right guard of the Vikings falls over, takes out the center, and all of a sudden one guy comes free. But yeah. at the end of the day, the you're looking at that, it's plays like that that lead to holding. Mm-hmm. Because they're undisciplined. Somebody falls down doesn't mean you fall down. Stay up. Come on. Now we're becoming undisciplined again. You you can legitimately get rid of half the penalties if you could just cut down on the undisciplined tiny little things. Like, hey, when he falls, you don't have to fall too. Stay up. You know, to get out of your center's way. It's like the little things that you forget sometimes when you're frustrated and you're playing. Right. Yeah. And and so I think it's it's not just that the league is calling more penalties. It's that this team too. And when uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I've got a theory too about this quarterback and his impact on other people. Because Alex, you mentioned and we felt this there in the stadium that early in the game. Kirk looked very flustered, uh-huh. and you could just sort of get that feels like, oh no, this is week seventeen again. This right, is, right. This is this is one of those days. Just mark Can't it down. Be. Yeah, you can basically predict the rest of the game by the yeah. first quarter with Kirk Cousins sometimes, and it, I would throw it out there that when your quarterback clearly looks rattled to even people on TV and people who are 100 feet above him. Imagine uh, blocking for him. Right, imagine on I the know. field. I've got to think that it impacts the other players around him. Kills my mood. I mean, it, it, you know what it does? It puts me in a bad mood. Because here all week we've been disciplined to go into this game plan. Like, we even got the first 20 plays. We have the hidden gem of this game. And this guy within five plays is already flustered. You're like, this cannot be happening right now. This And it's you're trying to bring him down and calm him down. But when everyone around you is getting him hit and getting him flustered and no one's catching any balls and he's overthrowing people, like sometimes it just gets taken out of your element. And you have to say, hey, listen, at the end of the day, the best me is the best person for this team. So that's what I'm going to focus on. i got to stick here. And sometimes you hope that you maybe being calm and kind of being in a good mood will kind of rub off on him. And I think a lot of guys got pissed at me because I would joke at times and they'd be like, dude, it's not the time. I'd be like, dude. 
my man over here is giving up three sacks. Like, I need him to come out of this <laughs> funk really quickly, and I don't know how else to do it. Like, I can put a foot you know where if you want me to, but that's only going to make him go more TJ Clemmings. So I don't want to do that. So, you know, I'd sit there and joke with guys and mess with them and tell them jokes and be like, ah, yeah, it's fun, right? And they'd be like, no, it's not. I'd be like, please, just God, laugh once. You know, come around for me. But then I started realizing that if I just do me and I stick in, if I stick in my little world, that maybe that'll rub off, and that ended up being the best thing for everybody. Fair enough. I yeah. think that, I mean, when it comes to the penalties that we saw on Sunday, I mean, do you anticipate this becoming a trend for this team? I hope like, not. Like, I mean, they're easily you, fixable. Yeah, but like with the holding calls, I mean, I think Matt brought that up earlier. Um, is that fixable? I mean, it seems like the refs are calling it differently this year. I mean, Zimmer's talked about with like, the advantage, I guess, for defensive linemen and like the guys like reaching around and, and all of that, and that's being called differently this year. How do you? Zimmer's ent- happy that there are more holding yeah, calls. Yeah, he's obviously no he's obviously I'm thrilled sure. about it. But like when it affects your offensive line, um, then you're not thrilled. Yeah, you're not. Right, and so then you're saying, hey, how do we, how do we fix this, right? Like maybe we teach a different technique. Maybe we tell them to open up more. You know, there's the, the this was always the big thing for me is we would start getting into like challenges, and people would look at it and they go, how are you going to figure it out? I go, I don't know, but we're pros, so that's our job. Like your job at the end of the day is to say this isn't working for some of the guys. How do we change it? How do we make it better? You know, one of the guys is maybe undersized. What do we do? Well, we look around the league and we say, who's undersized? Jason Kelsey, he's one of the biggest undersized players in the NFL. I mean, as a center, he's probably, what, 275 soaking wet? And what do they have him do all day? Pull everywhere. Like, Jason, guess what? You just became the puller for the entire team. We're not going to pull any of our guards because they're too big. We're not going to pull any of our tackles because they get paid too much. But you, sir, are going to pull on every play. That's what makes him good. Yeah, no, I think and that might be something that they have to start doing with Garrett Bradbury is is starting to just move him all over the place. I don't know. It's tough too. I mean, it's easy to be like, "Look what Jason Kelsey does." Yeah, you right. go do that. Like you, that, that's our right. that guy's an all pro player. You can't just say that, but you could say, "Hey, listen, I like what they do with him. Maybe we should consider putting Garrett on the edge more, moving him around. Maybe run some G plays with him pulling for the corner." G-plays. I mean, G plays are fun, but when people start to ski, like the problem is with G, you give it away because you're tight end set. Like everyone's like, okay, listen, either they're running zone away or they're running G to us. So if you crash down on the tight end, you're good. So you have to have your tight ends on point for that play. But if you can get it and you can get your center on the corner, it's a house call with Dalvin Cook. Okay, so that was just too football-y for my brain. We'll address that on Thursday at the end of the show. That's fair. Yes, oh, yeah, 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 our that, new segment. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's going to be great. Declan has been t- keeping notes, so at the end of every Thursday show, we go through the things that no one understood, and then you explain them. Uh, so um, l- l- let me throw this out there to you, because Courtney and I had a discussion about um, just the schedule that the Vikings face. It's wild, mm. Alex. I mean, yeah, it is. <laughs> you got Chicago, you got Mahomes, you got Dak Prescott in, in uh, Dallas, and that defense. Defense. You have at Seattle the hardest place to play in football, and all these quarterbacks who are going around, uh, going down around the league. None of them play against the Vikings, their team. Yeah. So you don't get any easy weeks, at least for right now. Um, do you think what we saw on Sunday was something that um, is a, just a week two? It didn't go well. It was as bad as you think it was, but it's a long season, and there's lots of opportunities. Or do you think that we see those games more often than not from this offense? And if the defense has even the slightest hiccup, it's going to be over. Yeah, no, I, I think the defense will rebound faster than the offense. I think the offense put things on film that are going to be really tough to address in one week, right? Like you're, we're talking about some of the most major things like in pass pro, we got to work on our twist game. Okay, well, now every team knows, hey, 
we're going to twist on every single passing down. Just because if the mere fact that they don't pick us up, they might get called for holding at the same time. So we're just going to twist everything. And then at the other side of the ball, you know, you got to get to the mic. I mean, the center has got to somehow get through the nose guard and get to the mic because he is literally going from sideline to sideline and smacking Dalvin Cook every which way. And at one point, you have the nose tackle who's facing in the opposite direction as the zone play was going. He made the play. How is that even possible? Like you have to get you have to get Garrett Bradbury in an effective blocking situation. Okay, so one thing I have been concerned about for a little bit now, and I'm wondering if it's starting to come to a head, um, is what's going on with Xavier Rhodes. And it's mm-hmm. not just the first series. Um, you know, there was that 39 yard reception that there was some sort of miscommunication on the back end. It looked like he, you know, started up pretty close to him near the line and then decided he wanted to play about five to seven yards off and they play him in man cover two and he doesn't follow him into the slot. We know that. That's always been the game plan for Devontae Adams. The pass right. interference but, later, though, I mean, well, that, yeah, was that, the, one. The, that was the one call that I was like, okay, I agree with that one. Like, I just don't understand. <laughs> that one does not have to be reviewed. <laughs> like, my thing, and, I, and I'm worried about it, is how much longer can they go on with this expecting he's going to shadow the number one receiver because it almost felt like he was a liability uh, especially in those first three drives. I, I mean, I think the one thing that's nice about when you're falling back on this defensive problem is you have Mike Zimmer. So you have one of the smartest guys out there saying, hey, listen, we can't continue to keep doing this as the season goes on. How are we going to fix this? Well, let's start getting other people to help. I think that one of the guys that really is kind of starting to show up is Jerron Curse. And I yeah. think that yeah. he's, he, he's been a big role for this defense. So I think you start to say, hey, how do we get him more involved? You know, how do we maybe take the weight off Xavier a little bit? You know, where we might get some guys back soon, which is going to be a huge help. But that's another thing. You know, people keep forgetting that Mike Hughes isn't playing. Guys are hurt right now. And when they come back, they're hoping that it's going to change this defense and help this nickel game. Would you uh, make a little phone call to Jacksonville about Jalen Ramsey? No. Did you see the fight he just had on the <laughs> sideline with his coach? It's Doug Marone. I know Doug Marone. You, that's, ignore Listen, that. I don't care if it's Mike Solari. No, I mean, day, I, really, it's Doug Barone. Ignore that. I, I mean, I, I covered him in Buffalo. He does this all the time. He fought with Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is the best. He fought with Fred Jackson, who's like the best guy of all time. Like, I mean, Jalen might be a, a, a hothead, and he might be a problem. Yeah, you don't want that. I, I mean, I, but I lean Doug Marone on this one. I, I, I get that. I get what you're saying. Like, it's Doug Marone, and it's probably his personality, and it's how it goes. But when you look at a team like this, you say, okay, listen, there's talent at a lot of positions. Mm-hmm. Why would you need to bring in a player that, yeah, does he upgrade your defense? For sure, he'd upgrade it. But he's going to bring so much drama and baggage to your locker room, and you don't know how the experiment's going to go. And if it goes wrong, it's your job. It's your career. So do I really want to risk everything on Jalen Ramsey coming up here and being really cool? I don't know if I would do that. He Plus, is what are you so gonna want good at for him? football. I know, but what do you want? Like, he wants something. Everybody wants to move for a reason. Like, I get it. He's pissed they're losing. But at the end of the day, he's still going to say probably, hey, I want a new contract, too. All right, oh, great. Yeah, he's going to want a new deal. <laughs> so now we want more. Or now what do they want? We want two first-round picks. Dude, what are we doing? i got to pay you two first-round picks and pay you $200 million? Holy Lord, who's going to do that? But what if you gave them Xavier Rhodes and a first-round pick to make the cap space work? They'd be like, dude, it's huh? week two. If this was like week two preseason, maybe, yeah. yeah. But it's week two. Like we, we went live bullets, and he doesn't look so hot right now. Yeah, what do you think, though, about, I mean, just trades in season? Because we have Minka Fitzpatrick. They're getting crazy. Yeah, They're right. I mean, crazy. like I always thought 
the reason they didn't happen, and I love trades. Whatever you love, like you love the G play and identifying <laughs> the mic. I love trades that much. Okay, and okay, so now that there's, <laughs> so now that there's more trades in season, I think like this is exactly what I would do on Madden. So this is great. Yeah. Um, are, are guys just like so knowledgeable about the game that they can figure it out, or is it still a bad idea? Because I think it's kind of an interesting trend. I think it's a tough thing to do. When you talk about some of these teams that are doing these trades, number one, you're talking about Miami. They're in a fire cell. They're just completely getting rid of everybody on their team, and they're saying, if you give us a first-round pick next year, we'll give you whoever you want. We just want 15 first-round picks to rebuild this team. And I actually just read an article that was really interesting because it was talking about could they tank two years in a row to get Lawrence. It was like, wow, that (laughs) would be incredibly ballsy but amazingly awesome at the same time. Because Stefan Ross would be like, dude, I don't care what anyone thinks. Like, I don't need this. I, I, I just want this player, so I'm, we're going to tank forever until we get him. <laughs> so it could happen. But when you talk about these trades, you're talking about bringing a guy on a team that a team that's already gelled, and if you're trading for somebody, it's probably somebody pretty big because you need them, and it's a big deal. Like the Steelers just traded for uh, Micah Fitzpatrick because they their safety went down. So they're like, "Hey, listen, you're looking for a first. We need a safety. You know, we got to sh- somehow figure out how we're going to clean this up. How is he going to do there with that team? What if he comes in and it's like water and vinegar? Mm-hmm. What if all of a sudden it comes in and they're like, "Nah, man, it's bad blood. Like people don't like it. like you've just messed with an entire team's chemistry to add one player that might." add a little bit of beneficial goodness to your team. Yeah, I, I get I get that that could be a potential issue. I think if you're the Vikings, the reason you would make the call is because Xavier looks like he's struggling so much. And, Ramsey, and he's not hurt. We know that, too. He's or, not hurt. Or at least it's just the accumulation of we, hurt. We right. think he's not hurt. I right. mean, being a former player, there's a lot of times people were like, there's no way he's hurt. You're like, oh, that guy almost he got one leg. Good right. lord. Like, yeah, he's right. hurt. Of course he's hurt. He looks hurt. He's hurt. But so, they can't say that. But with the way that he has just played over the last year and two games, if you took, if you, if you made this big blockbuster, because it's, it's kind of boomer bust for this year, right? Right. And you said, we're bringing in Jalen Ramsey. And if he tears apart our locker room, who the hell cares? Cause we need to shut down everyone on defense or we're never going to win. And you put Ramsey on an island with whoever the other team's best receiver is week to week while he figures out the rest of the defense. I mean, it's, it's a little crazy. But it's not stupendously crazy. Like, it wouldn't be the wildest thing I ever heard, especially if you could work out a new deal with him long term. Listen, Antonio Brown didn't even play for the Raiders. Okay, this is not Antonio we've, Brown. I no, mean, I'm that saying, guy like, is In the totally world of crazy, nuts. we've seen the craziest yeah. thing possible. So that, by no stretch of the imagination, is crazy. To me, it just doesn't seem feasible. We're going to give up what? You want two first-rounders, and we're going to have to pay you. We're running out of money here, guys. We can't pay every single person on the defense and then not win every game. That's right. not possible. That's how people lose their jobs. Like, I hate to tell everybody, we're going down a bad road right now because when you start paying everybody and it's like you're winning, well, all of a sudden everyone's happy because it's, you know, it's worthy and everybody deserves it. But when you start losing, people go, hey, I don't know if we're paying everybody again anymore. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, we're right. paying the wrong people. Yeah, and we were talking about that a little bit earlier, Alex, that, you know, the teams like this in a win now type of mode are very volatile and they can teeter on the edge and quickly too. Right? They can and, and go it, it down. Just go quickly. sideways. So even even like last year, there were times where I thought this team could really fall apart and everything could go straight to hell. And and they mostly held it together until the very end in week seventeen. But with that coming off of that 
and some of these key performances by Cousins and the emphasis on doing a thing that you actually shouldn't be doing in 2019, which is running all the time. I mean, it just it just has this feel of a lot of tension. And I guess a trade for someone like Jalen Ramsey would totally confirm it. Yes, everyone thinks they're getting fired if this doesn't work. But in a way, I almost think it's sort of like, when the, you almost have to. Yeah, like when the game, it, let's say you're at the end of the game and it's 4th and 20. You don't want to go for it, but you kind of have to. That's what it sort of feels like with some of these great players asking out of different places. Where, I, like, I wanna, where like, maybe you should make that phone call. Right. I, I think that you're jumping the gun a little bit too much. I still think it's week two. I think you're in a tough division. I don't think you're in a... I mean, look at the Bears. They're in a really bad spot. They're two yeah. games behind in the division. Like, to come out of that, you really... and the, their offense is not regressed. Everyone's talking about the regression of them. They, everyone just caught, figured them out quickly. Like, oh, okay, I get it. They're going to try and run the ball every which way on us. Like, just shut down the run game. Make this guy throw the ball more than five times and we'll win, guys. That's all you got to do. So, you know, you, you're talking about a team right now that's just – you could be – you could still be contenders without him. And I think right. that when you start talking about bringing in big-name people like that, it upsets a lot of people in other rooms. You know, and I'm not saying whatever, dude. It's the betterment of the team. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey on the team would be a lot better. But at what cost? There's a lot of money invested in this defense right now. There's a lot of money invested in Kirk Cousins. So you can never really be like it's a rebuilding year. No, your quarterback makes $35 million. He's, it's not rebuilding. We're here to win mm-hmm. now. So, you know, it's... But could you still pay Jalen? Is it worth giving up the two first round picks for all the drama and headache that you're going to go through? Right. I don't know. I yeah. mean, look at look what the quarterbacks are making now too. That that contract would be insane. I mean, it would smoke Darrell Revis's contract. Yeah, and and very hard to figure out. You know, it, it, like how much he's going to cost and how you're going right. to keep everybody. So let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Courtney's got to run, and Alex and I. Before we let you go too, and, and move on to Mackie and Judd with Rami, I want to ask you about Eli Manning getting Ooh. benched and how we. Should look at Eli Manning's career. Let's wrap up on that note. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. This download powered by Modest Brewing Company will remind you the countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend is on. If you're not running, be one of the 4,000 volunteers who will make this annual community jewel sparkle. Whether you help at the expo or on the course or even at the finish line, you'll find your efforts satisfying and appreciated. Visit TCM Events org forward slash volunteer to learn more or, or and sign up. If you're going to the Twins game, check out Modest Brewing, located only two blocks from the Target Field Station. Modest is known for serving a wide variety of one-of-a-kind, super drinkable craft beers for their full menu or craft beers. Go to modestbrewing.com. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. Once upon a time, the NFL was tough. And the fullbacks wore neck rolls. Each week, we learn that the league hasn't gone soft. And for the player who demonstrated the most grit, we award the neck roll of the week. Alex, did you just moan a little when you said neck roll? Got so excited. I mean, I don't blame you at all. It happens to me all the time. Uh, Back here on Purple Daily, Alex Boone, Matthew Collar. We have neck rolls to hand out, and then I want to ask you about Eli Manning. So, um, you want me to go first? You want to go first? I went first last. Actually, let's let Courtney go first. Uh, Courtney had to step out, actually. All right, well, then let's let you go first. An article. So, 
she was going to hand it out to Alexander Madison for trucking that dude toward the end of the game. Um, That's fair. That's but fair. I'm going to give it, and this is a little bit of a different one here, because I was going to go with another wide receiver tackle, because Julio Jones, after a pick, made a tremendous tackle, and I thought, that's a neck roll-worthy tackle. Fair. I'm actually going to go with a different form of grit, different form of toughness that wasn't someone slamming another guy to the ground, but instead metaphorically doing so. And I'm going to give it to Odell Beckham, because we made fun of him for his watch and everything else <laughs> last week quite a bit. But yeah. Greg Williams, who is a criminal and a doofus, said this week, decided he was going to be the smart guy who said that Odell Beckham is not a dynamic wide receiver. And Beckham made down the sideline a classic beautiful catch and then yep. later took a slant to the house. And here's why I'm giving him the neck roll. Because the safety who was playing six miles deep for whatever reason, Greg Williams likes to do that, the safety saw him coming and ran away. He, he was like... I'm going to get, no, he's going too fast. Nope, nope, I'm going to get hurt there. And so if you can scare someone because you're going so fast and running violently into throwing themselves away from tackling you, neck roll for Odell Beckham. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if I agree with all that, but okay, I like it. It (laughs) sounded pretty. I mean, the guy wore a $2 million watch in pregame. I mean, you're just being ridiculous. But but he came back and he scared another human being into not tackling him and he shoved it in Greg Williams' face. Toughness, yeah, no, he he roll. definitely did. He definitely threw it right back in Greg Williams' face, especially because Greg was like Odell, who like, dude, come right, on. right. So when you dunk on somebody like that, yeah, yeah, not girl. It's, it's bad. I got, listen. I'm gonna give mine to a guy who I thought stepped up big time this week. And after a first week, I was really disappointed. Second week, I thought he put the team on his back. Le'Veon Bell. I thought that once that Trevor Simeon went down, he was like, you know what, I got this. You knew he was gonna get the ball like 60 more times. But he, I thought he played tough, and I thought he ran over some people, and I thought at one point he, he jumped over a guy and ran through a guy, so I was like, you know what, that's definitely going to be my neck roll of the week. All right, very good. Yeah, I mean, he did the best he could in that yeah. situation. It was a disaster. Well, also, to your guy, Frank Gore, who you love so much. And love him. Everyone who I've ever talked to loves Frank Gore. Delvin Cook worked out with Frank Gore this offseason, uh, we found out. He, no, 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 no. You can't actually work out with Frank. Like, it's impossible. The dude is a machine. You can I, work around Frank. Yeah, Delvin said he's always the last guy finished, no matter yeah, what it is. Always. So, uh, anyway, so he attempted to work out with uh, Frank Gore. There you go. At the goal line, the Bills gave Frank Gore the ball, and he just plowed a linebacker into the end zone for a touchdown. So, also an honorary neck roll to Frank Gore, which is probably a better selection than Odell, but I just loved there you go. anything that makes Greg Williams look bad is yeah. my favorite thing. Um, uh. So, Eli Manning is benched, and the Daniel Jones era begins. He'll play uh, Daniel Jones against the Vikings in a couple of weeks here. Should we remember uh, Eli Manning as having a couple of good years and being great in Super Bowls or as a body of work, one of the better quarterbacks to ever play and a Hall of Famer? Which way would you look at it? Dude, you absolutely have to give this dude his respects. I mean, I I was off by like a week because I called it. They would probably bench him four to six weeks in just because – what you show in one year, you're not magically going to get better. Like, it just doesn't happen all the time. Like, Tom Brady, he's never really dipped, right? Drew Brees, they never really dip. They just kind of stay at the same level. And then the minute they start to take, like, a little bit of a sink, they just, they get out. We're done. We're good. Thanks yep. for everything. We had a blast. But with poor Eli, I mean, everyone was like, well, it's the people around him. It's the defense. It's a lot of things. Listen, there's a lot of things you can get away with. I mean, the Colts, 
played really, really good with a really, really good quarterback and an average team around him. Like, they fixed a lot of problems with guys that you had never heard of. So to me, that was kind of like the little silly excuse, and I was kind of fearful that he was going to come back and just be even worse, and it kind of did. So I wasn't as surprised as most people, but I think that you should remember the fact that he won two Super Bowls and that he was at one time a really good player, and he'll definitely get into the Hall of Fame just like his brother and dad. Yeah, I think he does get into the Hall of Fame. And here's the thing that's a little bit challenging about Eli Manning and his career is that he's going to end up as a 500 quarterback. But from 2005 to 2012, which is it takes him into his early 30s, he was 77 and 51 as a starter with two Super Bowl MVPs and three Pro Bowls in those years and was one of the better starting quarterbacks in the NFL. He was never the best starting quarterback no. in the NFL. And he made a lot of risky passes and threw a lot of interceptions. But a lot of the numbers, if you look at like the QBR, the factors in game situation for how you play, he was consistently a winning quarterback making winning plays for five, six, seven years in, in his career. It's just that the end of his career, when the Giants organization seemed to fall apart, um, Tom Coughlin became no longer part of it. They brought in Ben McAdoo, who was kind of a joke. And then yeah. you know they, they had one season where the roster was good and it immediately fell apart. The last, gosh, seven years, from 2013 to 2019, 38 and 59 as a starter. And it's not that his... Uh, ability didn't deteriorate. It definitely did. But I think a major part of it, too, is that the organization fell apart as well around him, which really affected his overall final numbers. Absolutely. And I think that trying to bring in Pat Shermer was like their last chance that maybe we could redeem Eli's career. Because if you look at it, a lot of Pat's plays are we need to get the ball into the playmaker's hands quickly. Like yeah. It's very quarterback friendly. The ball gets out of your hands quickly. And if you can't work in this offense, dude, this is the end of the road. That's I mean, to me, when you're looking back, and I know I'm getting like strung out on another story, but when you look back at this team that had Pat Shermer as the OC and mm-hmm. Casey Keenum at quarterback, Losing those two guys, to me, destroyed this team because they are what made this offense good because you have dynamic players everywhere, and all these guys want to do is take shots. You just need to get them the ball quickly. At some point, especially in uh, Washington football team week, we will be discussing the Case Keenum question. We'll get get there. Uh, Alex Boone, great stuff. Thanks to Courtney Carlin. She had to run a few minutes early. Purple Daily, Alex, thanks. We'll be back on Thursday, man. Matt, you're the best. Appreciate you. All right, and I, of course, will be back tomorrow and every day here 2 to 4. Make sure you download it on iTunes if you haven't already. Give us the five-star rating. Coming up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 